Experiences and events come in the most unexpected way, I say. A few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to teach what I like to call a facilitating experience to a batch of learners at the Srishti Manipal Art, Design and Technology Institute. Within the first few days, the teacher became the taught. The experience was enriching and left me asking more questions and certainly becoming a lot more aware of how people actually learn design, something that had intrigued me for a very long time. So I thought, why not request some students to talk about what led to them to choose design? Because most kids, as far as I know, still tread the well-worn paths of science or commerce-based subjects. Although that's changing now, but more intriguing was also the way in which these students were learning. Something very different from the conventional ways most of us are used to. The students willingly obliged, and so... Listen to this conversation on design and many other tidbits around it. Hi, I'm Chitra. I'm Madhvi. I'm Jyoti. I'm Patmaja. Together we are your hosts on the Edge podcast. We bring you stories and experiences from our experiments around learning, marketing and design. These are stories of people, technology and people interacting through technology. Of what we see, create and recommend. Hi, Vismaya, Janvi, Ria, and Abhiram. A very warm welcome to the four of you to the Edge podcast. I am very excited and looking forward to this conversation. It's, I think, going to be an interesting one. So thank you very much and a warm welcome to the Edge podcast to all of you. Thank you so much for having us here. Thank you for having us. It's really a pleasure. Thank okay. you, Shitra. Thank you. Usually... On a podcast where we have guests, we ask them to introduce yourselves. Abhiram, why don't we start with you? How would you like to introduce yourself to our audience? Hi, I'm Abhiram Joyce. I'm currently a third-year human-centered design at uh, Srishti Manipal Institute of uh, Design Technology. I'm currently associated with an organization called Design Beku, and I'm working there as a designer. Thanks, Abhiram. Ria, how about you? I'm Ria Mittal. Same as Abhiram, I'm in a third year of college. I'm pursuing human-centered design. Currently, I am interested in UI, UX, and product design. And also, I am interested in research. So I'm uh, interning as a research designer under a professor in the Indian Institute of Technology, Delhi. And I'm uh, working on behavioral design. Nice, Ria. Thank you. Over to you, Janvi. Hello, everyone. I'm Janvi Goel. I'm a third year BSSD student. BSSD is Business Services and System Design from SMI. I am pursuing service design mainly, which is towards the consultation side. I'm an aspiring service designer, basically, who is wanting to enter the consultation field. I'm sure that will be very interesting, Chanvi. How about you, yeah. Vismaya? I'm Vismaya. I study at Srishti Manipal Institute, and I'm currently pursuing human centered design. I'm interested in the field of service design and UI UX, but I'm still keeping my options open. Thank you, Vismaya. What I'm seeing is we have a very diverse set of people here with very different interests and in the field of design itself, aspiring towards doing many, many different things. If I were to ask you all about your origin stories in terms of how did you get to choose to do a degree in design? Where did that happen? How did that happen? Why don't we start with Janvi this time? In my 11th and 12th, I am a PCM student. So physics, chemistry, maths was my uh, main subject. I wanted to pursue engineering before. So I was kind of getting trained in that. My father was also very supportive of this decision, obviously. After that, I kind of deviated towards design. I became interested in interior design. And then I started looking at architecture. So there was a lot of things happening in my 11th and 12th. But then I kind of went ahead with the design option because I, I went for coaching for design, which wasn't really something that was very common in that time, four years ago. I stumbled upon Shristi and I learned about their multidisciplinary courses. So business services and system design was not really a topic that was offered in many institutes. It really intrigued me and I spoke to my father, I spoke to my counselor about it. 
and we realized that I had a lot of potential in this field and hence I went ahead with service design. So can you talk us through a little bit of what the service design is and what is it about it that caught your eye or caught your attention, Janvi? Everyone knows about product design, which is you creating a product. You create a bottle, for example, that you take it as a product. Service design looks at the services that a company offers and not just what the company offers, but what goes behind what the company is doing. So if a company is manufacturing bottles, what are the different processes? What are the different stakeholders involved? How do you supply this bottle? How do you distribute the bottle? How do you procure the raw materials, for example? All of these include the service design aspect into it. Now, people mostly confuse it with an MBA degree or a BBA degree, for example, but it's not really that because you're looking through a perspective of design here. So service design is where if I have to look at how the bottle will be distributed from a company to a distributor chain. So you look at variable options and viable options and you speak to different stakeholders and you try to work with all of the stakeholders. Thanks, Janvi. Uh, we'll come back to that. Probably, Ria, can you walk us through your decision to take design? So I had been preparing to become a doctor for a really long time. I had taken an in integrated course with like PCMB. So I was going to be giving the engineering exams as well as the NEET exams. But uh, when COVID hit and like a lot of the entrance exams got delayed, I got very frustrated with the fact that I would have to study more, which sort of gave me an indication that even though I liked science, career as a career option, picking engineering or being a doctor was not maybe suitable for me. My decision to become a designer was very quick, very opposite to my decision of becoming a doctor. Two weeks before Shrishti's entrance exams closed, I found out about design as a career option. I went through everything and I looked at human-centered design and IEDP, which is industrial design. Uh, that's another course offered by Shrishti. And I really liked what entailed within that. And two days before the registration closed, I applied with like my few sketches and everything uh, as portfolio. So I think for me, it was a very fast decision. For now, that's what I can explain about my process. That's an interesting journey as well. In fact, I hope at some point in time, who knows, your first interest may intersect with what may become your profession very soon. And who knows, you'll be designing a lot of medical equipment because uh, yeah. it's happening in a big way in multiple dimensions, isn't it? Yeah, I actually recently showed my portfolio to someone and they said that I had a niche for like a lot of medical and healthcare related products. So I tend to go there with a lot of my work. And in fact, one thing is also that even after design, like my parents weren't quite sure and neither was I. I mean, I knew about it for two weeks. So uh, I actually was still preparing a little bit for NEET. And then I also uh, continued to give my competitive exams while I was still studying in Shishti. I am still very interested in the science field and I try to like collaborate the science part and my liking for science with the design work that I do. Sounds very interesting and exploratory and I really hope you get to, you know, find that sweet spot that brings you to a confluence of all these things. Thank you so much, yeah. Ria. Abhiram, what led you to getting a degree in design? Uh, during my high school, I was basically very actively doing theater and uh, acting and drama. So I wanted to actually get into a field that would help me in theater or writing, especially. In my 11th and 12th, I wanted to do arts, but my parents never let me do arts. They said, if you want to do arts, you need to get at least 99% in your board exam. And I got 97. So I lost arts by 2% from my mother's standards. So I went into science in my PU. I did PCMC. Throughout my uh, PU, I never saw myself as someone who would go into a engineering or a science discipline. And I always, I had a very closed mindset at that time. But uh, surprisingly, my uh, faculty and my teacher in 11th and 12th who taught me computer science, she was very good at creating an interest for me in programming and in coding and things like that. And that's when I started realizing that, oh, maybe I have a slight inclination and a bent of mind towards science and engineering as well. And that's when I started getting more confused because 
I always thought I was an artistic person, but then at this stage, I realized I could uh, relate to the other side as well. I initially started preparing for engineering because that is the uh, safe path that everyone sort of tends to. But I was not fully convinced with it. So I was looking for an option that could let me explore and integrate a lot of multidisciplinary activities and let me explore a lot of things throughout my degree. And that's how I got into design. Uh, design deals very equally in the artistic space and in the science space as well. So I wanted to be able to do theater and drama. And I also wanted to be able to do programming and coding and all of that. Particularly while I was talking to people, people told me that Srishti uh, promotes a lot of multidisciplinary and uh, transdisciplinary design. So that was something that got me more curious. And further, human-centered design seemed like an even more apt fit because I was always interested in human behavior and observing people and understanding stories and all of that. So it all seemed to come together really well and it's been going well as well. Thanks, Abhidam. Again, a whole lot of questions coming up there. And I hope we can explore a lot of them in this conversation. Vismaya, over to you. What made you choose design as your degree? I was pretty clear since my childhood that I wanted to um, work in the field of art and design. And my parents were very supportive of it. And in fact, I have wanted to come to Srishti since I was in fourth grade. But I think in between, I gained a really strong liking for physics. I wanted to try and pursue um, astrophysics, but then I realized that I did not have an affinity for mathematics. So that dream died down real fast. But my dream of studying design was still on. In 11th and 12th, since I pursued arts with psychology, I gained a new interest in studying human behavior, how they respond to certain stimuli. When I started exploring the options in Srishti in more detail, I realized that human-centered design helped me explore psychology through the lens of design. That's why I decided to uh, pursue human-centered design in Srishti. So far, I have gotten opportunities to explore the human psyche, but um, there's a lot more I would like to explore. Cool. And I really hope you get that opportunity. Thanks to your all of your stories. There's been a lot of uh, questions brewing in my mind. And I want to see if I can seed something that the four of y'all can look at together and explore a particular topic. You know, you've come from very different aspirations, from wanting to be an engineer, to wanting to be a doctor, to wanting to pursue theater, and then psychology and astrophysics. I think at least... Two of you alluded to stories and human behavior. For me, it's always been fascinating that, you know, so many of our historical buildings or paintings, a lot of it has been reflective of a certain kind of behavior or a culture of a society. Have you come across any instances of how you learned to use these capabilities of observation and look at people's behavior and probably incorporate them into something that you were doing. So basically, what have been your experiences so far in trying to build something or make something that is going to be consumed by somebody or used by somebody? What are the challenges that you've come across while doing it? How did that leave you? while you were building or creating that product? In terms of challenges, specifically while designing something that could be consumed, uh, the main challenge that I felt was, like we've had a discussion about this before on how the problem space or thinking in terms of what the problem is a very is a very uncomfortable space. So you want to get out of it as soon as possible. And when you want to get out of the problem space, we tend to come into assumptions and when we do those assumptions, some of our biases play in. When these biases are actually seen in our design and we take it out and test it with people, we see that it is actually very unempathetic and it doesn't really solve anything. And it was just for us to come out of our own discomfort that the problem space was giving us. 
being really reflective and iterative about how we approach problems and getting a clearer view of what is happening and who is involved and what we are doing will it actually benefit them so getting a clearer idea and spending more time in the problem space that has been really challenging and uh, you asked us where it leaves us so if i understand that question correctly it leaves us with a lot of internal criticism and weird amount of self doubt and there are a lot of aha moments but also a lot of uh, maybe i'm doing the wrong things it's a very imbalanced space to be in but it's also fun because that's how it's <laughs> okay can something that you create ever be complete or uh, there's always something to do i don't think so uh, and that is something i've also been exploring a lot recently since even in my internship and the current work that i'm doing this sort of taught me that design is more of a continuum or it's like a continuous process so you can't have a problem come up with a solution and then implement that solution and be done with it you need to go back and you need to bring things back to the drawing board and reimagine and then go back and involve more people so i think design is a very time consuming and a very iterative process and it takes a lot of effort and that effort is also sort of rewarding and fun to put in that's how i enjoy design a lot nice abiram thank you vismaya would you like to build on what abiram has just said how would you like to present your experiences while you've been creating products adding on to what abiram said about us being unempathetic because of our assumptions and our biases when we are trying to cater to the user is that sometimes we might think of it more as a puzzle as an a would require so and so number of interventions because we see that it's missing and it seems to trouble them but what i've realized that in reality sometimes they don't need it because they used to a certain lifestyle they used to a certain habit and sometimes we tend to forget those tangents because we're so focused on seeing what's missing or what is needed and i think making that distinction is something that i've learned um the hard way because a lot of my projects i would just try to fill in the missing pieces without realizing that sometimes that piece wasn't even meant to be there we needed a completely different piece that was another learning that i just remember from what abhiran spoke riya how would you like to continue on this topic since you talked about human behavior i've been over the past year interning as a behavioral design researcher so for me to look at any problem now any situation that i'm in uh, like abira mentioned being in that uncomfortable problem space it just uh, you grow to start liking that uncertainty because every time you hit a wall you look at another aspect that you've tried in some other cycle some other workshop some other studio and you're like what if i trying doing that here and what happens and i think that as i'm really starting to growing to like it and then also learning about biases and human behavior and how it is a complete science that goes behind these interventions it is very interesting for me also now to have an added aspect of looking and also since i am a human centered designer it is very interesting to look at the target audience that i'm working with and sort of like understand their perceived biases and their behavior and their interaction with say any product that i would be working with when you were asking this question one thing that kept coming in my mind is one of my professors in first year said you never stop being a designer like abhiram said it's like a continuous process even after school you are a designer so it sort of becomes a part of who you are and you keep noticing things and walking around i would notice random things that are, that i find intriguing whether it be like the typography or something or a solution that they have found for some problem which then i might just end up using somewhere else from my experience you start growing as a designer in that aspect thanks riya janvi what's your perspective all three of them have encapsulated what it is at large few things to add is to what riya mentioned that you walk and you just notice things randomly now even if i'm walking on the street and i see someone quarrel or there's an accident for example or anything that is happening on the road it just comes to my mind of what can be done how can this problem be solved and it's not just about products or services it's also in my group for example if in my friend circle there's a fight 
or uh, there's a misunderstanding, for example, I always approach it like a designer now because there's a process, right, of a design thinking process. You do your research and there's ideation, whatever. But before the research, there's also biases and assumptions. So you map out your biases. If I'm trying to solve a fight between my friends, I always come from a background. I'm thinking, okay, these are my biases and assumptions. Maybe let's put it aside and then let do some research and then you build on it. And I've tried to bring all of my understanding in these three years into my daily life. And I don't think I can ever go back to normal. So yeah, that was one point. Also the fact that I personally feel like there's not always a need for a new intervention. We were taught this in our first year because, oh, we're new design students and, oh, we want to solve everything. We want to help the world. But our professors very readily pointed out to us that there's not always need for interventions because people are set in their own lives and you need to understand where they're coming from. You need to be very empathetic in order to just get into their lives. You need to understand where they're coming from, what is their background, because not everyone is the same. So here comes the whole talk about behavioral psychology and all of that. So yeah, it's, it's a continuous process and we're learning that here. Nice, Janvi. In fact, I wanted to ask you, how successful have you really been in terms of preventing fights from escalating? I think that would be a very interesting tip. <laughs> I've been very good with it because my friends nowadays, if they're having a quarrel or anything, I'm the first one they call. I understand where both the parties are coming from and I tend to have a very diplomatic language when I speak. So they understand me better. I know that this person understands this language. I know this person understands that language. And I try to interact with them in that way. And all of this has come because of how my professors have pushed me to do user research. I'm going to the market. For example, yesterday I went out to eat momos and I was just talking to the momo Bhaiya, talking to him about his cart and when he opens and how are the rush hours and what does he think could be better. I've tried to accomplish that using this whole design thinking journey of mine. That's nice. Uh, maybe a career as a diplomat, perhaps. Who knows? Isn't it? <laughs> maybe. Very open to everything after Shristi. <laughs> so with a couple of things that you all said as part of your introductions, I just wanted to circle back on, on a couple of those things and wanted to start with Ria, you constantly have mentioned research and yeah. uh, it looks like that is something that holds your attention and has in some way been part of your design learning experience. Uh, why do you look to research? And the reason I'm asking this question is based on what I know and what my experiences have been, design is a lot about observation, interaction, curiosity and just being aware of all that is going on around you that you take in and you know churn inside and create something why does research play such a strong role in your approach to design and your academic pursuit in design i i think i have like a few parts to this answer <laughs> but I think interesting and it's generally even as a designer what you typically do is do is do a secondary research and a primary research and um, it's just since my first year it's been so interesting to first of all it's very rec recommended that you do uh, secondary and primary research because of the importance that they play like the role they play in your anything that anything that you want to create or improve any problem the importance of uh, knowing what already exists and what is happening in that context understanding the context of the problem and then going out going out and actually talking or, or observing people it's just time and again it proves how important is it is to like even empathize with the people and um, uh, to actually create a change that might be received well. So in that context, in a design solve problem context, I feel like research is a very exciting part, which uh, because it is what leads you to create something that you can be confident that yes, what I'm creating is uh, is in the same context of the problem, and uh, it could actually create a good. A good change 
the intention with which we are going towards the problem can actually be achieved. So I think that is why I'm a lot, I get very excited during any research phase. In fact, um, I did a student exchange and during my exchange, one of the courses was user uh, sociology. And basically what we had to do was just go and sit on a cafe on a Sunday market and just observe people for many hours and what like the interesting thing is that we got like they it was under the research uh, phase of our project and everybody came up with different notes someone noticed the colors the different age groups were wearing someone noticed what kind of activities and what kind of uh, how the people were walking and basically just it, it is very interesting how research is in general and how different it is, especially in design. And then uh, to going towards more of the kind of research that I'm doing in my internship. That is also, again, it goes back since I'm doing something that connects sort of behavioral design, uh, behavioral science to design. It again goes back to me, me having a liking and inclination towards science. That is why I was very drawn to do research as a topic, even in the more like how a scientist would imagine. <laughs> yeah, interesting. I really wonder. I, I also think scientists are designers in many ways, isn't it? Because they their minds work in such creative ways, and which is why they're able to look beyond the normal, if I may, in so many ways and develop hypothesis. Hypothesis is again a function of a lot of creativity, I believe, and then find ways of validating it, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, and especially, I feel like the more, again, the more I, I become a design practitioner, the more I realize that somewhere or the other a person is working in the using design thinking in some sort of process even though they don't know it or even though especially in like a lot of professions like I've seen my father an engineer work through different problems that are very engineering because I don't exactly understand what is happening but like uh, I have seen him tackle a problem in a very similar way than that I would so it is very interesting to see how design is just almost like as a subtext there for a, in a lot of professions. At this point, I just wanted to switch back to Janvi because Janvi, you said you have been influenced by engineers and engineering. What do you have to say to Ria's observation? Uh, well, <laughs> I actually don't because I was just uh, interested in engineering because of my father's influence. So engineering for me was a benchmark set. Uh, engineering, as per my understanding, was obviously tackling problems, but the difference between engineers and designers, in my understanding, through whatever I learned in my 11th grade, was that engineers have a certain, like, have certain rules. They, they try to obviously create, they try to tackle problems, but they have some rules that they have to stick to, be it, for example, mechanical engineering. They have books, they have uh, laws. They have to read those, they have to understand, they have to practice them in order to create something that they want to. And I think that is where designers are different from engineers because we don't really have rules. We, we go on with an open mind and we try to facilitate or maybe engineers try to facilitate our dreams. So that is how I tend to differentiate between these two professions. Nice. Just hold on to that thought and I'm going to come back again to that question in a slightly different way. In the meanwhile, Vismaya, you mentioned that taking up psychology and uh, behavioral aspects have had an influence in you in terms of how you have looked at design. What do you have to say about that? Um, I think it stems from my dad working in the advertising field because a lot of his work um, was catered towards understanding um, how the buyer would be influenced by the ads that churn out and so watching him um, try and make an understanding of who these user groups are who the audience is and um, designing results based on that got me interested in understanding how they would work and um, when I pursued psychology in 11th and 12th it was it was of course very textbook definitive um, because we didn't get to explore um, much further I was working on a case study in my 12th grade project and though it was more related to uh, mental disorders, I still got to 
dive in a little bit about understanding what the user would want, what they would need in that specific context, in that specific time, because I got a little more exposure as to how the human psyche works. Um, and also having influence from my dad's um, career background, that's what influenced me to take up uh, human-centered design because I started getting really interested in understanding how uh, a user's needs would change over time with certain contexts, with their lifestyle, with the upbringing that they've had, with the social, sociological, economical, and political background that they've grown up with. So that's been a major factor that's driven me to pursue human-centered design ads that have influenced you or you recall as being very impactful or well done ads? So I don't recall uh, any ad campaigns that I've seen on TV, but I recalled a specific campaign that my dad was working on back in, I think, 2008 or 11. Um, it was a campaign for the railway um, the railway industry of India. I think he had introduced a new timetable and he had shown a very impactful full design of a cow. Um, I think it had to do something with a cow on the railway tracks. And it was just very disturbing, but at the same time, very impactful in making people realize um, about the safety of railway tracks and not crossing it when the crossing line has been, it's just been enforced. That was very impactful to me as maybe a 10-year-old child. And I realized the power of just a few words. I realized the power of just a few graphic elements. That's when it got me thinking about how just a few words, just a few small changes could make such an impact on how we think, on how we perceive. Nice, Vispaya. Thank you. Yeah, Abhiram, over to you. If you had to look back now in retrospect, how do you think theater could influence design or vice versa? Uh, like I said, the reason for me to choose design came very strongly from theater. And um, so in my 11th and 12th, while I was pursuing design, I was also pursuing my diploma, like an evening weekend diploma with a school called Vijayanagar Bimba. And we would study theater and practice theater and things like that. So there was a very common saying in theater, actually two of them. And I feel they hold very relevant to design and designers. So one is uh, theater or uh, uh, Rangabhumi in Canada. So, uh, theater is a reflection of the world we live in. So theater is essentially like a mirror and it shows you what uh, world you're living in. And the second one is uh, an artist or like an actor. Ha an artist's mind is like a begging bowl. So they are ready to take in and absorb anything that anyone has to offer. And I think these two things translate very well into the design world as well. Because even as a designer, I am and I have to be always curious and ready to take in whatever anyone has to offer. Because you never know when something could click and some connection could be made and something could help. So being that open-mindedness that theater gave me was sort of continued in the design space as well. And the other one is that um, uh, like design and how we design is somewhat a reflection of ourselves and the space that we live in or the place that we live in. So some of it actually comes out in the design as well. And another interesting thing that sort of binds these two together is um, how both of these are driven towards experiences and somehow making you feel a certain way. So there are uh, even in a theater production or in a drama, you are, you are uh, intended to feel certain things at certain points of time. And different people like actors and technicians are all uh, driven towards making you feel that particular emotion at that particular amount of time. And somehow that is towards curating an experience. Similarly, in design, whatever we place and however we create things is also intended to make people feel a certain way about themselves, about the product and about uh, the space that they are, they are in. So I think that uh, idea of curating and creating an experience is what theater got me into. And that was something continued in design as well. And I think that's the major connection. A very unique perspective over there coming from you. What I have for all four of you in terms of the next question is, 
Have there been any significant influences? And these influences could be in terms of experiences, events, or things that you have seen that have impacted the way you look at design or the way you have done something in the course of your learning experience of the last three years. So, for example, it could be a movie. Uh, it could be a trip you took. It could be, let's say, a magnificent work of art that you saw in a museum or a very beautiful building. Have uh, the four of you sort of had that kind of a strong influence or influences that have helped you either shape your design outlook or directly impacted something that you were doing? I would like to say that I recently started my spiritual journey and so I got into reading a lot, a lot of religious texts coming from a Hindu background and I picked up a book called My Gita by Devdutt Patnaik and it speaks about systems and flows and what Gita holds and what is the importance and I was trying to also go through various texts and scriptures that allow me to understand Ramayana or Mahabharata. The, the the question that popped up in my head was a question that I don't think I, it was a beautiful question. A question of, of mine was that, how can someone create such a system that has impacted the masses in over centuries and ages and ages? You, you leave the ice age, <laughs> uh, you, you get back to human era, human species, and even thousands and thousands of years, how is that system still prevailing? And that is the question that really intrigued me. Uh, because while I was questioning my spirituality and I was questioning all of these rituals, for example, uh, you take puja, for example. Puja in itself is a system. You wake up at a certain time, you you do your puja, you do your aarti, there's havan. There are different things, some agree that you have to put into the havan. And it, it's a beautiful system that has been created and it has been followed for a very, very long time. So coming from a system design perspective my question was how can someone come up with such a huge system and here i was obviously questioning the existence of god but my question here mainly was how can someone be so powerful and so imaginative to create a whole system that has been followed over ages and people are still continue to uh, refine it and to still just you use the system without even thinking twice about it so I think that was a very big aha moment in my head because religion is, according to me, is the it's a very giving service that has been created to the humankind. So I directly linked my profession and religion in that sense. Very beautiful. Very nice, Janvi. Thank you. I just want to add on to Janvi's question. From what I see it, um, religion as we see it today might not be the same as religion that was seen, let's say, even 100 years ago or 200 years ago, right? Someone who might have created this entire institute might have um, thought about a different way of, let's say, doing a certain ritual. But its evolution is what has been so fascinating because um, with changing times, it has had to uh, make adjustments to the way it is performed. I'm not very knowledgeable or educated about the changes that have happened, but I have observed certain small things that have changed in my own home. I believe that the evolution of um, certain rituals and the evolution of these practices that have come as a result of the way our lifestyle has changed, as a result of the way um, our population has expanded, the way our economies have started growing, that is what um, might have sustained um, religion as an institution to continue to evolve and prosper. From a personal experience, um, adding on to Jamie's experience, I see religion he sees it as a way of disciplining oneself. So waking up and doing puja at a certain time or following certain rituals, he sees that as a way of preserving the roots of what makes us, let's say, an Indian or a Maharashtrian or a Karnataka. So this discipline and a way of respecting our culture and the meaning that it has gotten us through all these years is something that I believe in. And I feel like it does give us some sense of direction and at the same time doesn't leave too much to take upon ourselves and realize that there is a being that's above us who is looking over us. So the, the conversation diverted a bit, but 
um, I was speaking in terms of how a religion as an institution has evolved and how fascinating it's been to watch. Thanks, Vispaya. So for me, I think uh, like the way Janvi and Vismaya said, I think it's sort of similar for me, but then it's also the opposite because uh, for me, like I earlier mentioned, design in itself has been a huge influence for me. Uh, being a designer and sort of taking that into uh, different aspects of my life has what uh, been like, I, I'm talking about design as an influence for everything else because I was trying to think of one particular object let's say or a particular thing that has influenced me in me as a designer but I think that happens more often than when I look at something with the eyes of a designer and and like look at things that have nothing to do with me as a designer but I look at them with the eyes of a designer and that that sort of perspective really helps me out so I think being a designer has what put in a lot of discipline in me if that's like I, I could go into more detail but like it's sort of like having design as a part of my life and different aspects of design that I've learned over the years uh, is what helped me with a lot of different aspects of my life as well and also I feel like um, even again looking at it fr- from my journey of starting as a designer since it was so abrupt I feel like people around me at the time the people around me at the time are a huge influence for me as well so like my sister my parents and uh actually my one of my sister's friend who told me about Shristi and encouraged me to pursue human-centered design those people are also a huge influence to me uh, in my career as a design because I remember the first time we had to present our work to our faculty and um, I, I was in there for like double the amount of time that we were supposed to be in there and at the end of it one of my professors says said that this project is just not it it's not good and I almost came out like crying from my jury and then the first person I called was my sister and and her friend who convinced me to get into design so it's like and they are the people who sort of encourage me and they they are the people who keep encourage and sort of inspire me so a lot of their work also influences me in a lot of ways. Nice, Ria. Always, yeah. We, we sort of, one thing I'm noticing is at least in these testimonials that you'll have shared, that family definitely has such a strong influence in our lives, in what we do, the way we do it. And it's also a place we go back to, right? Family and friends all the time. Uh, Abhiram, what, what have been some of the strong influences for you? Yeah, so like people said, uh, at various stages of my life, I've had a family and various mentors in my life uh, who have influenced me in a certain way and usually in their own discipline and I have sort of drawn from it. If I have to pick one, uh, if I have to pick uh, a, like one particular experience, then I would say the first ever course that I did in Srishti was this course called Order and Chaos. And it was almost exactly as the course title says so and I think Ria and Vismaya were in this course with me and that was my first ever introduction to Srishti to design to a different learning pedagogy where you don't really rely on a curriculum or you don't really rely on certain textbook and you cultivate your own line of inquiry and then you try and pursue it and then you fail and then you ask people for help and uh, I still remember we were supposed to maintain a journal in this course. And the first time I showed my journal to one of my faculty, it was a list of questions and answers. And then she said, this is not what is going to survive. You can't have a question answer book because there are no right and wrong answers. It's something completely different. So coming from a very traditional school of thought and a traditional approach to learning, where you know that the right answer to this is an NCRT page number 73 under this paragraph. And if that is not the right answer, then the board will give you grace marks. That was the sort of system that of schooling we came from. And seeing Srishti and those first four weeks have a completely different approach to what education is and what education can be, it just got so much more exciting because... Uh, when because it just uh, opens learning and its boundaries by a large extent you don't really need to stick to a particular thing or you don't have to make like choices of uh, should I do arts or should I do science or should I do this or should I do that or 
you can bring in different components from different places you can put them together you can see how things go about and all of that so this particular course and the people who made this course i think that those four weeks was very influential because uh, it gave me a direction to understanding how design is done and how things are pursued and and if i have to sort of elaborate more the first foundation year in large where we were sort of uh, under compulsion to do a lot of things and we didn't really have a choice on what we were choosing and then we tried a lot of different things it was uh, that was a very unique experience because we did a, we did so many things from charcoal paintings to art programming to what not so that really uh, i think coming from a traditional school of thought you sort of have a thing in your mind that this is something i understand this is something i study and this is something i don't understand and this is something i don't study so that's something for people in their own discipline to deal with but srishti sort of broke those boundaries and made it more porous that anyone can learn anything and anyone should be able to learn anything and that i think was a very life changing moment if i might say nicely said abhirav thank you all so much based on what all you said i'm just wondering can designers actually work with a set of rules then because abhirav you mentioned something about uh, chaos and then uh, some periods of unlearning uh, based on the traditional system of education that all of us have had until some point in time in our lives janvi you mentioned that engineering is about rules and for designers it's incumbent to be more open my question to all of you is can designers actually work with rules um, i feel like a lot of times i mean especially in college it is really amazing like abhiram said and we were the same course as well so i remember doing a lot of very what i would think as very random things to like it's really interesting how shrishti has really encouraged us to do a lot of um, different things and without sort of us having rules for ourselves or constraining ourselves but a pro, uh, a studio i'm currently in literally just says making against constraints whether so i feel like every design projects within itself comes with a bunch of constraints and a bunch of limitations that a designer has to keep in mind for example uh, if you work as a ui ux designer you have to be in uh, touch with the web developer and make sure that whatever you are designing can be replicated in the code and uh, similarly with a lot of product design especially if it includes a lot of technology you need to be in like it is uh, you need to be in in the same on the same page as other teams in the same you know company and you need to make sure that whatever you're imagining is something that can be brought to reality with other people who are going to be working on the same thing but at the same time uh, that should not be something that uh, what this is what i personally feel which is that a, like a designer should not restrict themselves uh, because of that i mean they should still think and keep that mindset that we've you know worked so hard to sort of build but in reality yes there are a bunch of constraints that come within and limitations that come within while making or or working on a project that's an interesting take on it adding on to what she has said i think more than seeing it as limits um as designers realizing the scope of a project because um you've got people who are invested in your project you've got um other people in your team who are working with you and so realizing that there's a set scope you have so many resources um is what we can define as in in quotes a limit if you have more resources if you have a bigger team if you have more investment in your project you can of course expand your limits but it really depends on how you define to be the scope of your project so i really believe there's no set limit it really depends on how many resources you are able to accumulate or you are given to that's a different perspective as well thank you vismaya janvi i think you had wanted to say something i have a live example like so right currently i'm working with a client it's a consultancy project so they've come up with a, some criteria that we have to uh, kind of tackle around and they the client was very open to interpretation it was very open whatever they wanted it was very open they like okay we want to do this we want to do that and we could also do this we could also do that what if we did this so they didn't really have a constraint in their mind they didn't have any limit they were just like okay this is open do whatever and that was very itchy for us 
because we were sitting and we were talking and we were like okay so what do they actually want like we need to because there are certain limits right because you have time constraints you also have resources limited resources so you can't just work on everything that they envision because we our imagination can go wild if they want like if they want something done we would find numerous ways to do it but that it was very itchy for us to sit through the whole meeting and just to realize okay what do they actually want and i think that is where the constraints also really matter because they are very important as essential so before when i said that engineers have certain rules i was talking about the way people think if if you are working with a client they give a specific scope for working we don't really think about the limitations at that point we think about the scope obviously but as an engineer you would first think about the limits you would think about what you were taught you would think about the rules that you were given uh, in your first second third fourth year so i think that is the main difference okay yeah that's a very interesting perspective it doesn't really happen that way in fact you're quite often thrown at the deep end of things and asked to go figure stuff out but it's also very interesting that the concepts of uh, design thinking now are actively and aggressively being taught everywhere uh, with the premise of telling people to keep an open mind not to make any assumptions so that you have a clearer perspective about the problem and so on and so forth but nice uh, conversation here abhiram would you like to add something to this yeah i think uh, design definitely should have some rules and uh, that is mainly because uh, the design one is probably going to be implemented in the real world and how people are in, how people are going to interact with it is going to create some affordances and some disaffordances if the design is not well implemented or if the design is done for the sake of it then uh, it could cause more unintended harms than it could do benefits design really shapes a lot of things around it and shapes a lot of uh, people's lives and situations around it so for example how cities are designed really shapes how people walk and how people walk uh, sort of uh, shapes a lot of things in a person's day and then it leads to a lot of different things so i think just being aware and uh, knowing where your design is going to be implemented and who is going to be around it and how are different things going to play out in that space uh is very important and i think that is uh, having a rule of uh if this is creating more harm than it is creating help then maybe it's not a good idea having that rule and having basic rules around some ethics of design is also i think very important because uh, a major good example is reels and how uh, social media is structured it's very well designed but is it really useful in the, in terms of creating addictive loops and creating a generation that is addicted to social media and a generation that has completely changed the way it socializes and values themselves or looks at self worth and so all of these are very well designed products but uh, when you look at some of the real world implications then you question what good design is and what rules design should come with so i think having some rules in your head or just being aware of what your design is implying and what your design is creating is very important yeah i think uh, fair points there in fact just today i was reading in a in a news feed which said that while uh, you know designing aircraft or other building software for uh, aviation and i know this because i was an avionics engineer for a few years you have so many guidelines and uh, safety standards when you're actually building something and there has been an active call by many leading scientists to have the same kind of governance and rules in place as ai gets built out right recently there's been a lot of uh, uh, discussion and debate on that as well in the interest of sort of bringing this conversation to a close i actually wanted to ask you all what is it that you would like to share with people aspiring to take up design in education as y'all have and make a career out of it i know y'all are yet to start your careers but if somebody had to come up to you and say whether it was uh, an individual that was let's say 
thinking of doing this, or let's say even parents, friends, relatives who came to you with this question saying that, hey, is this really worth it? What is it they can do? How do you think they should pursue it? Are there any messages that you'd like to leave for people who are aspiring to be designers? I can go. One of uh, the main thing that I have in mind is that, um, yes, design is a very, it's a very good field to be in because it gives you a lot of freedom. It gives you a new perspective on a lot of things. And it is a very nice place to be. And uh, two things that I feel generally disturb people in the design space is it comes with a lot of self-doubt it comes with a lot of imposter syndrome if uh, i think all of us the first thing we learned in first year was oh god we have imposter syndrome and uh, you tend to be intimidated by competition you tend to be intimidated by a lot of things but that's okay that is one thing and uh, you just have to power through it and the second thing is designers need to be collaborators so rather than viewing peers and people around you as competitors or people who tend to threaten you if you look at them as collaborators and if you look at creating a more collaborative space then the field of design is very interesting because people tend to be very curious people tend to be very creative people tend to be problem solvers and there are you, you'll see a lot of user personas if i may put it that way in design and it, it's really fun to interact with a lot of people and really fun to solve a lot of problems and really fun to take up challenges but yeah, that's the two things. It could be very mentally taxing. So power through it and don't be intimidated by people. Tend to collaborate with people because that will give everyone a sense of security. And that's a good place to be. Nicely put, Abhiram. Thank you. Anyone else would like to go? Yeah. So I think to add to what Abhiram said about like the uncertainty. So I think I'll be re repeating what Abhiram said. But like especially with the experience that I've had, there is a lot of uncertainty of even when you're in design and uh, you sort of a lot of times especially with me I feel like as a in, like on a boat looking outside and this sort of panic comes out in about like the about the career options and uh, what the future holds but one thing that I have learned over the years is that design is a very free-flowing free career as well so there is a lot to learn. There is a lot to explore. And and similarly, I feel from what I've seen with my internships and from what I've seen with my seniors as designers, there is I see them also learning and exploring continuously as a designer. So that gives me a lot of, again, inspiration and hope towards and excitement towards my career as well. Because I know that the way, the spirit that I have about exploring and learning new things, I am sure that that is something that I would that I want to continue doing. So the, I feel like that is something that really calms me down when I feel uncertain about the future and the career path that I pick. But yeah, that's a nice perspective to have, Ria. Thank you, Janvi, Vismaya. Anything you'd like to share? Um, so I think Abhya and Ria covered it quite well. But something that I've noticed is that though I am pursuing human-centered design which is mainly focused on UI, UX. I have also gotten the opportunity to also be a copywriter, to also work in packaging design, to also do illustrations. And my takeaway from my journey is that in the field of design, you also get to be a lot of roles other than just a specific role that you're looking for, for example, a UX designer or a product designer. So the field of design really opens you up to Again, since you're working with a lot of people and you're going to be collaborating with people from different professions, it doesn't mean that you stick to your role as a designer because some days they might require you to give input on um, what their intervention is. And sometimes you take upon their role, they take upon your role. So in a gist, the, the field of design really allows you to dip into other fields and perform many other roles. So you really get to experience all of it and still retain your role as a designer. So I think that's been a wonderful opportunity so far. And I think that's, um, that is an advice that I would give for someone who's entering into the field of design. Like Abhira mentioned, it would be very mentally taxing. But I think over the years, we do learn how to deal with having so many roles simultaneously given to us. And that's when learning starts becoming fun. So. Yeah, 
learning always should be a pleasurable and fun experience mm-hmm. this maya thank you janvi anything you'd like yeah. to add yeah just one point that we've been talking about learning and design being an ever ever learning process i think all of us were taught a word in shrishti which was unlearning and unlearning is like the first step to progress towards learning about anything in life so my message would be to start unlearning what you've learned so far be it textbook learning or bookish learning or the or methods of your living you kind of need to unlearn whatever you've learned so far to accept and acknowledge what all people around you these institutions and the world has to offer so yeah that's my tipney as a designer yeah i like the fact you said tipney it's a uh, a nice take on tips and with that uh, we come to the close of this podcast i want to say that i've actually enjoyed this conversation because i usually don't plan anything for a podcast and it takes the most unexpected turns which in my view it did so i want to say a big thank you to all of you and i hope at some point in time we can have many more conversations around so many of the topics and things that we discussed today so thank you all thank you thank you so much thank you for thank having me thank you so much chitra please subscribe to the edge podcast on your favorite podcast channel We are on Google, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher and more. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends. If you have stories to share and want to be featured on our podcast, write to us at podcasts@adepticlabs.com. At